0: Man, Aren't you glad? It is well with your soul. Yes. Man. Appreciate the good singing we've heard, the wonderful testimonies, uh, beautiful playing. And yes, I can say that, she's my wife, but I, I, she does play beautifully. What y'all don't know is Saturdays, normally I'm in my study and I have my door closed and she's normally down at her piano and so I listen to her play while I'm studying and And preparing and preaching a radio broadcast and uh, she never knows just how much she really helps me with that I don't think I've ever even told her that so amen Amen. Amen. Uh, but sure is a blessing amen well it's a blessing to be here tonight um Mm. you ever just feel your heart overflowing I feel my heart overflowing tonight I want to mind the Lord uh John chapter number seventeen, uh, Pastor. I want to tell you, you ought to be proud of your boys. Uh, one of them told me he's going to pray for me. One of them told me I had a good wife. Amen. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are good things to hear when you're getting ready. Those were encouraging words. Amen. I've been bad if he'd said he wasn't praying for me and I needed a better wife. Amen. So, so I appreciated that encouragement. I, uh, but no, you can tell the, uh, the influence that those boys have in their life, and uh, it shows. And you know the fact that they want to be up here on the front and want to be around uh, God's Word, it means a lot. You ought to be proud of that. John chapter 17, I'll be honest with you, we're going to read the whole chapter. I'd normally invite you to stand. You're welcome to stand if you want, but we're going to read this whole chapter if you'll indulge me. Um, We'll begin in verse number one. The Bible says this. These words spake Jesus, and lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him, and this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested Thy name unto the men which Thou gavest unto the, gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and Thou gavest them me, and they have kept Thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever Thou hast given me are of Thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now... I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep them through thine own name, those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy uh, thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled." And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou, but thou, excuse me, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they, may also, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, and we ought to be thankful for this verse right here, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word that all that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they all also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect In one, and that the world may know that Thou hast sent me and hast loved them as Thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom Thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which Thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Lot in that chapter, you say, why did you read the whole chapter? Because you can't really break any of that apart. This is what we call the Lord's high priestly prayer. He's getting ready to go to Calvary. He's getting ready to go to a cross. He's getting ready to go to a false judgment. But before he goes, he's got something to say to the Father. And notice he's saying this to the Father. Yes, sir. He is praying for those that he's leaving behind. Yes, sir. And there's a phrase that we find here so often repeated In fact, we find it three or four times throughout this passage where Jesus says that he wants to make us one with him. Mm -hmm. Verse 11, you'll find that he wants us to be one as him, as him and God. That's that unity. He wants us to have unity. Let me say this, church. He wants the body of Christ to have unity. That's his desire. We should be in unity and fellowship one with another. Well, somebody ought to have said amen. Maybe we need to preach on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead, preach on, bro. Verse 21 tells us that we wants us to be one in him. Yes. And that's our position. That's how we get in. That's how we become one with him. Yes, we can't get in any other way. But verse 23, let's look at that one one more time. That tells us how he wants us to be one with him. Notice what he says. I in them, and thou in me. And here's what I'm trying to get to. There's an enjoyment of salvation that we so often forfeit because we miss this part right here. And I understand this Thanksgiving service, and you say, well, this is a strange Thanksgiving sermon, I know. but this is what the Lord told me to come and say tonight. I'll just be honest with you, I mean, I could have preached on, thank God for our blessings, and... We could have done the whole thing that's been done. Hey Amen. That'd been all right if that's what the Lord had said to do. But he said, I want you to go and tell them this. This matter of being one with God, we have to understand how important it really is. The truth of the matter is, we don't hear much preached about this anymore. And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And I hope that you don't take it the wrong way. But all we really talk about nowadays are storms and troubles, oh, yes. and trials, and tribulations. Yes. Yes. And by the way, he'd already dealt with that a couple of chapters back. Yes, he said we would have troubles and trials. Yes, in fact, they were going to come. They are a part of this life. Yes, but then he tells us to be of good cheer. He's already overcome this world. Hey. What well, we talk about in this day and age is either we talk about God is love, and everybody's included, and there's no standards anymore. Yeah. On, or we talk about our troubles and our trials. But may I say to you, church, there is so much more to this life in Christ than just our troubles and our trials and the love of God. Yes. You're right. Now, I know that's going to offend somebody by me saying the love of God. There's more to the church than the love of God, more to being a Christian than the love of God. What I'm talking about is this superficial, yes. this surface level. Right. God wants right. us to be in a deeper relationship. Yes. Jesus wanted a deeper relationship with his disciples. That's what he really was doing. He was spending his time in them. He was investing in them. And now he's getting ready to pass off the scene. You understand what I mean? He is physically going to leave this world because he has to to pave the way. But he wants to make sure before he goes that they are squared away, that they are secure, that they are taken care of. He wants them to be one. Yes. Let me say this, church. He wants us to be one today too. That desire, that that want in Him has not changed. What's happened is, is we've gotten our, our minds so pulled aside. We've gotten so disillusioned and we've gotten so distracted in this day and age. And there's so much to keep us distracted. All our phones and devices and news and everything else that bombards us all the time. I mean, we can't be still for half a second without wondering what's going on. When's the last time we ever really just got still and tried to hear the voice of God? Yes. Amen. Yes. Tanya and I got to take a vacation week four last, and it was well, it was needed, and we, I think we need another one now already. Uh, we worked a whole week and a half, and you ought to feel bad for us. Amen. Yes. I mean, we, we, are, we are hurting, hurting, and we need some prayers and some blessings. Amen. Yes. But one of the things that we love to do, we love to go up into the mountains, and we love to hike. I know you wouldn't know it to look at us, but we're hikers. I and mean, I promise you, we can hike. And we got off. We like to get off come some of those areas that nobody else is really in. And we like to see some of the sights. And it always amazes me how still and how quiet it is. Now, you hear the rushing of the wind through the trees. And you may hear the water roaring from those rivers or waterfalls. But there's no sounds. There's no phones going off. There's no distraction. And it refreshes my soul. In fact, that's what we do. That's what we plan this, this time of year. Our anniversary is in October, and that's what we want to do. We don't want to go to the fancy places. We, don't want, to go, we want to go to a place where we can get out away from everybody. Amen. Because it does good for us to separate. You say, why would you say all that? Because, folks, we need to get to a place where we're willing to separate ourselves yes, to God. Yes, come on. We need to get rid of all the noise in this world sometimes. Yes, sir. Amen. And I believe that's what the Lord is doing right here. Yes,
1: sir.
0: He's taking these men that He loves. And, and you have to understand what I'm saying. He loves these men. Yes. Yes, sir. This is His heart right here. What we're seeing here, they call it the great uh, high priestly prayer because He's making intercession. I understand that from a religious standpoint. That's all well and good from a title. This is really God, God's love letter to God about His people. Amen. That's really what this is. He wants God to know Which is kind of funny when you think about it. It's God talking to God. But he wants God to know just how he feels about these people, how serious this matter is. And folks, I would say it to you like this. In this matter of being one with him, he takes it so seriously. I wonder if we might not should take it a little more seriously ourselves. So I'm gonna challenge you tonight. We need to get ourselves to a different mindset. We're heading into a busy time. Anybody say amen right there? I mean, we are. We're about to hit this you know, five, four, five-week period where it's just going to be nonstop all the time. Everybody's got stuff going on. You know, even in the middle of that, we should still have time for God. He's taking time for us. He's headed to a cross. He's heading to something that none of us can really wrap our head around what He went through. And yet, He took time. Just to say, I want you to know just how much I love you. I want you to notice a few things about being one with God. First of all, I want you to notice the design. In this passage, we see the Trinity. And this is the Tuesday night crowd. I'd say it's the Wednesday night crowd, but it's the Tuesday night crowd. So I don't think I have to preach the Trinity to y'all. I think y'all have got the Trinity down. So if y'all nod your heads at me, then I don't feel like I've got to go back and preach it all. But we know there's the Father and there's the Son. And we see both of them in verse 1. Then there's the Holy Ghost. And I'll be honest with you, as as the Lord was giving me this, I went, All right, all right. Well, I can see the Father and the Son, but I don't see the Spirit really mentioned by name here. And He said, Well, you forgot about something. I said, Well, that's quite possible and that's probable. So what did I forget? And He took me back over to John chapter 1 when the Spirit came down. But it didn't just come down, the Bible says that it abode on Him. You see, when He's here, the Spirit's here. When the Son's speaking, the Spirit's right there. So what we see here is there is a complete picture of God. Yes, sir. What I want you to understand is God is a triune being. Yes, he is. That means that He has three persons or three expressions of the same person. Yes, sir. I can't explain that to you. I'm glad I don't have to explain it to you. I just have to accept it and believe it. Because the more I think about it, the more I really can't wrap my head around it. In fact, let me be honest with you. Y'all know I can't be any other way, but be honest with y'all when I come here. But let me be honest. I had the problem with understanding or accepting the Trinity for the longest time. And I know you're not supposed to stand up here and say those things, but it's the truth. And what I found out is if we'll be honest up here, we'll find out there's some folks that may be out there that have some problems as well that they need to hear that That's right. they're not, not the only right. one. But well, here's what I had a problem with. I didn't have a problem with the Son. I understood the Son. Yeah. I even understood the Spirit. Got the Spirit. And here's why. All my life, I'd heard sermon after sermon after sermon preached about Jesus, the Son of God, who loved me and died for me. Yes, sir. And I could get around that. I could understand that. And I heard about the Spirit, how He filled me and drew me to Christ and sealed me and, and does all these wonderful... He leads me. I can understand that. But here's where my problem was. I understood who the Father was, but the way I viewed Him was wrong, Brother Jacob. Yes. Because all I'd ever really heard as I thought about it was that He was this Old Testament God. And He was always attached to a judgment being poured out. By the way, those were always righteous judgments because He is a righteous God. He's not vindictive. He's righteous. In fact, you find Him being merciful. I saw this the other day. I never really had had thought about it, but I was reading something and it was talking about Adam and Eve in the garden. It was talking about Eve. And how Eve was so stressed and so worried about her sin. That's one of the reasons why she and Adam hid. She was dreading, dreading the Lord showing up. Dreading what she was going to have to face when Almighty God walked into the garden just like He was prone to do. And what she found was, yeah, the judgment came and it was, it was severe. Yes, sir. But there was also mercy and redemption that He gave a promise. And you see, that's who God really is. And for the longest time, all I could see was a, a judgmental God. And so I had a problem with the Father. See, I thought I had to cozy up to the Son. You understand what I'm saying? You know, the Son was my only advocate. The Son was the only one that was really on my side. And the Spirit, well, you know, He's just kind of doing what He's just telling you about the Son. So I was okay with Him. But I was worried about the Father. And so I spent all my, my young Christian life, every time I'd missed out, you know, the Father's going to get me. Yeah. The Father's going to be disappointed in me. And y'all are looking at me a little funny, but that's the way I felt. Until so one day I read about how God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Yes. Yes. And what I began to study and what I began to find out is that salvation is not the Lord's plan. And it's not the Spirit's plan. And it's not the Father's plan. It's God's plan. And when we begin to look at it this way, you know God the Father wants to save you just as much as God the Son wants to save you, just as much as God the Holy Spirit wants to save you. All three of them are agreed in this. In fact, that's what 1 John tells us, that they all are in one and they agree in one. They're all bent on you coming to the cross, coming to the knowledge that He wants to save you. This whole thing that we need to understand as we look at who God is, is that He is equal in His in His power, in His presence, but He's equal in the way in which He wants to bring us in. Yes, He wants us to be one. I tell you what, it got a lot easier for me when I began to understand the design of God was not one-third of Him was bent on trying to destroy me and two-thirds of Him were trying to keep me. When I began to understand that all of Him really wanted all of me, it sure changed my point of view about who God was. <laughs> As we look at the design, we see that there is the Trinity. But then what we see is that man's design reflects God's design. Yes, of course, you all know this in Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Yes, sir. In other words, you and I are designed to be just like God. Yes, now, here's the problem. Sin entered in. And there was a death. Yes, there was a spiritual death. Yes, sir. Your soul was a living soul. Your body was a living body, but that spirit was dead. Yes. And when you get saved, that spirit gets quickened. That's how you can worship the Father in spirit and truth. When the spirit comes alive, you are designed to worship God. You are designed to praise God. You are designed to be in God's presence. So here's what I'm trying to get to. As we look at being one with God, we need to understand that He has already designed us To be one with God. Now, isn't that something? You say, well, what does all that mean? Well, it really means this. I don't have to come up with a way. I don't have to design myself. I don't have to figure out how to change myself. I don't have to figure out how to get to Him. I don't have to figure out anything about it. He's already taken care of everything. So in the matter of being one with God, understand this, the design of it has already been handled. In fact, we could say it like this. It's His design that we become one with Him. In fact, I really believe that's why He created us. I believe that's what the garden really was. He designed man to interact with Him. You realize that He never designed one other uh, being, creation to interact with Him. They were all designed to serve Him. They were part of His service. They were designed to worship Him. They all serve functions. But man, He designed to fellowship with. Every single day, He came in that cool of the the day. And He walked with Adam. He walked with Eve. He wanted to be in their presence. He wanted them in their presence. Here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. That you are uniquely designed to be in the presence of God. Isn't that something? Doesn't that change how we look at who we are? When we think about all the wretchedness and all the wickedness, and we think about, oh, wretched man that I am, and we all have those moments. Somebody say amen. We all get in that Paul-like moment where we just don't know who we are or what we just did. But even and beyond all of that, you are uniquely designed to be one with God. What a thought. What a thought. The design. But then I want you to notice the determination. Here's what I mean by that. When we talk about determination, there's two different uh, definitions of that. In determination, you are determining what needs to be done. You're evaluating a problem and you're coming up with a solution. I look at something and I determine that if I'm going to do A, I need to do B and I need to do C. And then there's the determination to take that plan and actually follow it through. Yeah. So we have two different definitions. God determined the plan. Yes, and through determination completed the plan. Yes. His plan. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 18 says this, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain, conversation received by tradition from your fathers let me pause there and say all that simply means is you tried to do it yourself and it came up for nothing everything that you had with your religion everything you had with your wealth all of it was for nothing it didn't get you one thing but then notice what he says but with the precious blood of christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained notice that word foreordained before the foundation of the world Uh, but was manifest in these last times for you, uh, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Let me say it like this. This plan that He came up with, it was not a reactionary plan. No, Here's what I, want to, what I want to get across. God wasn't sitting up in heaven going, oh no, I done messed up. Oh look, my creation done messed up. I wasn't planning on this. God knew before He ever created us that we would fall. This plan was already set in motion. God already had all the pieces laid out. He already knew what the steps were. He had determined the plan. You say, well what does all that really mean? It means that you and I don't have to come up with a plan. Yes, sir. Well, that ought to make us feel real good because I don't have to come up with a plan how to get to God. Let me say it like this. I don't have to come up with a plan how to be one with God either. Notice this. This plan that he has come up with, it's not reactionary, but it was done before. But then he completed it back in John chapter 17. Yes. Notice what he says in verse number 4. He says, I have glorified thee on the earth. And then notice this. I have finished the work. Before He ever says, I, I, it is finished on the cross, right. He said, I have finished the work. Amen. In this moment, there's nothing else that needs to be done, Brother Jacob. Yes, sir, sir. Every word is in order. Yes, Every thought's been in place. Yes, Every action has been righteous. Right. Every step has been just. Yes, he has done it exactly the way He determined to do it. And through His own determination, yes. I want you to imagine that you're the Lord Jesus Christ that you've come down from heaven and you're amongst your ungodly creation that's sitting there and and wallowing in their sins and you're subjected day in, day out. Do you understand what kind of restraint He had to exercise every single day, not just to wipe us out? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I'd say it's probably the same amount of restraint he operates in today, Amen. Because we still are that wicked crowd. Somebody say Amen. We still live in a wicked world that still despises the thing. In Fact, he even deals with. He says the world hates them because they hated me. They don't. He said. They, he even said. they said, I ain't gonna pray for the world. Well, that will that will mess up somebody's religion real fast, won't it? Jesus said, I ain't gonna pray for the world. I'm gonna pray for the people, though. Because that's who he came to redeem. This world is doomed. This world's going to pass away with fire. It's going to melt with a fervent heat. But it's going to be replaced by a new heaven and a new earth. What I'm trying to get across is he finished what was needed to be done. And and there's nothing left that needs to be done. You see, man's plan can never get him to God no matter how righteous his efforts may be. Well, let's pause here for a second. We say that's right and we say amen, but how many of us try to use our own plans and our own actions to get to God today? I'm not talking about through salvation. We'll deal with salvation in a little bit. I'm talking about to those that are saved. How many of us each and every day sit there and say, Well, you know, I messed up. Maybe I need to do this or maybe I need to do that or maybe. You know what we're doing? We're trying to determine our own path. Yes, sir. We're trying to determine our own plan. And we're trying to use our own determination to accomplish it. And you know where that always leads? Absolutely nowhere. It's the same place that led everybody else. That's why we needed a Savior. That's why He had to come. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy yes. He saved us. It's all about Him, and it's all about what He's done. And by the way, if you're going to be one with Him, it's all about Him, and it's all about what He's done anyway. Yes, sir. That's right. Man's plan will always come up short. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You see, it's not your determination, but His that's needed. I like this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 15, it says, And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. You say, what does that have to do with determination? It really just means this. If we quit trying to figure it out and doing it our way, and we just start relying on what he's already done, life sure would be a lot simpler. I didn't say easy. But it is get it does get simpler. Life's never gonna be easy. I hate to I hate to burst your bubble. <laughs> I know it's Tuesday and we still got a long way to go in this week. But life's not gonna be easy tomorrow. I mean that's just the way life is. But life sure gets simpler when you begin to follow Him and you begin to put your trust in Him. And you began to live by faith. And you began to walk by faith. And you began to trust Him in every aspect of your life. And you began to realize that He's already been where you've been. You do realize that's what the whole earthly ministry really is about. So He could walk where we had to walk. He could feel what we had to feel. So He could live like you and I would have to live. So we don't have a high priest that's not touched. And we don't have a high priest that we can't get to. We have a high priest that's been where we're at. He knows what we do, what we deal with. Though he sinned not Uh, we need to understand that our way will always always lead us to ruin but his way will always lead us to oneness with him Mm -hmm. galatians 2 20 says i am crucified with christ nevertheless i live yet not i but christ liveth in me and i like this part and the life that i now live in the flesh that's where you and i are at right now I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life that I'm living right now, if I'd quit trying to live it and just let him do it, it gets a lot simpler. You say, well, I don't understand that. But that means we just have to start taking a step back. That means we have to start humbling ourselves under yeah. the mighty hand of God. That means we have to start trusting him to be God and us to be his creation. Can somebody say amen yeah. right there? So often we're sitting here wrestling with him over the top billing. We're trying to tell him how we want to go. and We want to show him what we can do. And we want to show him what we're going to. And he's sitting there going, you have no concept. You have no idea. I've already been there. I've already done it. If you'll just trust me, it's already taken care of. Yeah. Folks, if we're ever going to be one with him, we're going to have to do it his way. And he's already paved the path. So many of us do not enjoy oneness with God. And I'll explain that in a little bit more. We don't enjoy it because we are trying to do it our way instead of trusting what he's already done. In fact, as you read this passage, you find he's cleansed us, he's consecrated us, and he's claimed us. There's nothing else that you've got to do. He's already taken care of everything. We see the design, we see the determination, but then notice this, we see his desire. Lots of verses in our passage I could read to point this out, but I like this one, verse number 11. Jesus said, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and notice what he says, and I come to thee here's the heart of Christ. Here's the heart of our Lord. He said, Father, I'm leaving. I've got to go. It is necessary for me to go. Will you take care of them? Yeah. Yeah, amen. Will you bring them in and let them be one with us? Yeah. Will, will you do what they cannot do? I've I, I got to go take care of this so that there's a way made. But will you do what only you can for them? Yeah. You see... His desire is for you and I not just to have an acquaintance with Him. It's not just to have an association with Him. Well, let me pause there for a quick second. Most Christians have an association with God. They don't have a real relationship with God. Isn't it funny that when we go through those storms that we're always talking about, and those valleys, and those hard times, how close we get to Him? When we run out of road, when we we can't see a way, when He puts us into a place where there is no other place to look but up? Isn't it funny how all of a sudden we get our hearts and our minds fixed on the one place they should have been fixed on all along? What I'm trying to say is this. What He's desiring from each and every one of us is a relationship. That's why He came to the garden every day. He didn't just want a creation that he could watch. You see, a lot of people have this idea that God is up there and, and we're almost like playthings mm-hmm. that He's just watching us and and somehow He gets delight out of that. And I think He does get delight out of us. But He gets delight out of us when we act like His son. That's right. He gets delight out of us when we do things that are pleasing to Him. Yes. But what He truly desires is a personal relationship with each and every one of us. That's why He died. That's why He made us the way He made us. That's what He is wanting to do. In fact, we find in doing this, He says that He wants to make them one. And we mentioned it earlier. As us, in us, and with us. And do that in. He said that I made them perfect. Look at verse 23. He said that they may be made perfect in one. That word means complete. It's not this sinless perfection nonsense that gets floated out there sometimes. This just simply means complete. Yes, sir. In other words, we can't be complete, Brother Jacob, unless we're with Him. Right. Unless we're in Him. Yes. Unless we're as Him. Yes,
1: sir.
0: He set an example for us. He set a path for us. He set a plan for us. But so often we miss it because we're trying to do things our way. Right. We want to go this side when He's saying you stay here. And I'll be honest with you as you follow the leadership of the Lord, it's not going to make much sense. And I know that's not popular theology, and, and people have a problem with that, but He doesn't have you from a preaching standpoint. He rarely has you preach what you think you ought to preach. And oftentimes, if you're preaching what you think you ought to preach, you're not preaching from the right place. Let me just be honest there. Amen. And I say that from experience. He has you do things differently than you think that it would be. That's why, you know, the disciples are like, you know, they're out there fishing after they've seen the risen Savior, which doesn't make a lot of sense, but it shows you just how short our faithfulness really is. Come on. And he says, have you caught anything? They said, no, it was cast on the other side. And don't you imagine these fishermen are going, cast on the other side? We have been fishing all night. I mean, it is not, what is this, six feet? I mean, that's going to make that big of a difference. God's ways never make sense to us. But His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And if we would start to understand that, not just from a religious standpoint, not from some big scriptural theological standpoint, but from a real life application, every day left foot in front of right foot, that God's ways are not our ways, but I can trust them because they are tried and true and He's already done everything, how much easier things would be. He tells us that we can be complete in Him. In fact, it's the only way. To be complete, Amen. he tells us that we've got a purpose in him. Notice what verse 24 says. Or, I'm sorry, verse 23 says. He says in the latter part, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. You say, what is all that about? It's so that we can be a witness for him so that others can see what we have with him. The reality is is that most Christians aren't that good of a witness. I'm just being honest. And I have to look in the mirror and say that about myself sometimes. Don't look at me that way, y'all get y'all, but nobody wants to nod their head. I understand. That's not a real popular one. But the truth of the matter is is we're not good witnesses. But Jesus said that we're to be a city set up on a hill. We're to be a light that shines. We're to be a salt that has savor. Because when those things go away, then this world is in a mess. Well, may I say to you, our world is in a mess. Could it be that we may not be fulfilling what we have been tasked to fulfill? But that doesn't mean that has to stay that way, by the way. And I do believe we're in the end times. I do believe he could come back at any moment. But that don't mean we need to throw our hands up and give up and just sit down and just wait for the trumpet to sound. We ought to try to win some souls to Christ, even the more. We ought to try to live a life that's more pleasing if we think he's going to show up any day now. Isn't that amazing? We think that Christ is going to show up at any second now and we've decided that we don't have to live right. That logic does not track. If he's going to show up in any minute, we ought to live even more Christ-like, right?
1: Amen.
0: Well, by the way, he says he's going to come like a thief in the night. No man knoweth the hour. We ought to be living right. Amen. But there's a purpose, and it's to show the world who he is so that they can have what we have. Amen. Folks, may I say to you, we need to get back to our purpose. Yes. There is one thought that's been on me for a, for a while now is that we have lost our purpose. Yes, we have gotten so wrapped up in ministry, and, and, and we call everything ministry these days. Ministry is nothing more than taking the, the body of Christ and showing it to somebody else. That's what ministry really is. You are ministering Christ to someone else. It doesn't matter if you do it through shaking hands. It doesn't matter if you do it through picking up trash or cleaning toilets. Whatever it is, God's got you doing. It's an honor to be able to do it for you. Amen. I mean that. We need to get out of this whole thing about having the preeminence and the prestige. We need to get back to just doing some good old-fashioned soul winning and showing people that Christ is coming back and that if they will accept Him, accept what He did on Calvary, accept what He did in a borrowed tomb, accept the fact that He's in heaven right now making intercession, that they too can be saved. And can I say to you folks, we need to get back to the purpose of the church. And that's what we see here. We're to be alive. We're to be a be a a witness for him. But then notice this. Not only has he made us perfect, not only has he given us a purpose, but notice that he is preparing us. Notice verse 24. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am. And notice this, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. He is preparing us. Preparing us to be in His presence forever. Folks, that's what all this being one with Him is really about. You realize that we get an honor and and a privilege that no other being ever gets. Those angels that Isaiah saw, you know what they had to do? They had to cover. And they had to cover. And they just had to yell, holy, holy, holy. But the way I read Revelation 4, those elders are circled around and when they see the Lamb... They throw the crowns down and they begin to sing hallelujah to the lamb that was slain. Folks, we get to do something that nobody else is ever going to get to do. We get the privilege of being in his presence. And this whole thing about being one with him, getting drawn to him, becoming perfect and fulfilling our purpose is preparing us to be in his presence forever. So here's the question. I can't do anything about the design. God's already taken care of the design. I am perfectly and uniquely designed to be one with Him. Yes. Would we agree with that? Yes. Is that okay? Yes. If I preach that right, y'all should have said amen. Amen. Yes. I think we've proven that my determination is never going to lead me to oneness with God. I've got to trust His determination. Yes. Yes. He's already completed everything. Yes. That's all that's needed. Yes. And I think that we've gone over pretty, pretty well that he truly desires for us to be one with him. Yes. But now here's the real question. Do I desire the same thing he desires? Because that really is what determines whether I'm going to be one with him or not, Brother Bill. You see, I can't do anything about my design. He designed me the way he designed me, and that's just the way I am. Doesn't matter what operations I have, doesn't matter what I try to call myself, he used to uniquely design me. I can't do anything about determining because if I try to determine another path, it's just going to end up in the wrong place, so I just have to trust Him. But if I do not desire to be one with Him, He's not going to force me into it. That's right. And So often, and I'll just confess, so often I do not enjoy my salvation to the fullest because I don't desire Him the same way He desires me. that's really the question tonight. And you say, well, what does this have to do with Thanksgiving? Well, I sure am glad and sure am thankful He desires me. Amen.
1: Amen.
0: I want you to think about that statement. The God of all heaven desires you. you, I understand that I'm thankful for my blessing. I mentioned I'm thankful for my wife. And I am thankful for my wife. And I could list a thousand other things. But if every one of those went away, the fact that He still loved me enough and died for me and desires for me to be one with Him, can I say I'd have to thank Him for that too? Folks, what do we want tonight? Do we want what He wants? He's heading to a cross. He's heading to a brutality that we can't even begin to explain. And in those moments, His one thought were these people that He loves So much. That's how much He desires. If it was you or I, we would be nervous and we would be pacing and we would be scared to death. His last thought was of us. Father, forgive (laughs) him. Folks, what do we want tonight? Here's how I'd like to end. Pastor, I want you to come tonight if you would. I'd appreciate that. You handle... If we have music or whatever you want to do. Folks, I want to challenge you. This isn't about his desire, it's not about his determination or his design. That's all been handled. The question right is really what do you want? You see, if you want joy, he's got it. Yeah. That's what he said. He said, I, I, I've said these things that they might have my joy. He gave them his peace, chapter earlier. He's taken care of all their problems and overcome the world in chapter 15. He told them that if they'd just abide in Him, so he, He told them how to abide, so He's given the plan. There's nothing left that's needed except we have to accept it, except we have to want it. Folks, what do you want tonight? I can't answer that question for you. But as the pastor comes and as they come with some music, I want you to think about what it is that He wants for your life.
1: Ms. Macy's going to play some for us. Uh, I stand to our feet tonight. Yes. Brother Joe said something real key, real key, and I don't want you to miss this. God does not force Himself upon us in salvation, no. Uh, he wants us to be saved, and we got to put our faith in Him. But with this oneness he's preached about tonight, he's not gonna force us to want it back. That's—I that's, think—that's the focal. Point. He wants us to be close to him. And so I'm married. You may run around with a wedding band on, but are you a couple? Are you in love? Do you enjoy being around each other, Miss Ginger? I don't want a spirit to run around with a wedding band on. I want to be to have that relationship. Be close with The Lord, He wants to be close with me. He's done His part. Will we do our part? Will we put in the effort? Uh, relationship's not 50 50, it's 100 100. He gave His 100 up front. We need to give our 100 in return. Miss Macy's gonna play. I'd encourage you tonight. Let's, let's take time to pray. Thank the Lord for He wants to be one with us. Help us. We can all walk closer to the Lord.